past week at the largest church planting conference in the world. It just happened to be in Orlando, Florida. You know, I know, I know. Two days it was in the 60s. I know, it's rough, I know. And then a couple days in the 70s, and that was great. But over 5,000 leaders from all 50 states, 125 countries came this year. It is inspiring. It's also humbling at the same time as you hear the stories of what God is doing all over the world. God is on the move. And uh, I want to show you uh, about a three-minute video of Dave Ferguson, the president of this conference, uh, really of this movement. And uh, it's, it's really talking about who we are as a church and where the church is across the country. And I want you to watch him for just a moment.
I brought you that because I think it's good for us to kind of be aware of what's happening in the church world around, uh, in the church around the world. And, and when you hear about churches like Ajay Law uh, in India, where they have planted 1,700 churches, you think, well, that's, that's incredible. That's amazing. That is a move of God. And our heart as a church has always been to move beyond level three. And uh, we are a growing church. We uh, have grown slowly over the years. Uh, we're a church of about 250 people now. But I think it's grown healthy. I think it's grown in a way that has been uh, sustainable, that it's growing over a period of time. It's growing deep as it grows wide. And I think that's great. Our heart has always been, though, to be a reproducing church. And so we have been involved in planting churches in, in Dayton, northern Kentucky, and in El Salvador, but those churches are churches where maybe I serve on a leadership team for them, or maybe we have given them resources. Uh, but this is the first opportunity now that we're going to Middletown to actually reproduce. And as he said, only about 4% of churches in America will do this. And so we are really, as a church, kind of on the cutting edge of what, you know, just saying we want to reproduce ourselves. And that's been our heart from day one. We tried to do it in Dayton a few years ago. It didn't work out. But we are moving forward with planning that second campus in Middletown. And last week, I, I went there and I preached. We had 63 people there last week. And it was great because it was a, a little bit of Axis Church because Rob was leading worship and Emily was singing with him and I was preaching. And it was a little bit of LifeBridge Church and kind of their flavor as well. And we, we think that will continue to transition over a period of time. But it actually gave me a window into it last week. I was like, okay, I can actually see this kind of working now. And so that was great. And over the next few months, we'll continue to collaborate until eventually we are one church in two locations. And, and I was reflecting on all of this this week while I was at the conference. And I was thinking about what God has done here in the life of our church. And, and I came across a talk that I gave 10 years ago. To our launch team. This was one month before we actually launched. We were four months in to our planning stage. We had not yet gone public. And I want to read to you the introduction of that talk that I gave that day 10 years ago. It said, well, team, we're here today, only one month from the launch of Access Church. Are you guys excited? And it had a question mark, exclamation point, question mark. Now, nobody knows that's in my notes, but I was wondering, am I like, Am I like asking them? I am I enthusiastic or am I just not sure? I don't know. But like question mark, exclamation point, question mark. And I went, I am. Imagine only four months ago we had our first meeting of Access Church launch team. Only four months. It's gone by quickly. Yet we have accomplished so much. And now only a month away we will be celebrating the birth of Access Church. You know, Lisa and I have four children. And several of our ladies at church are pregnant right now. Some things don't change. Amen. You know what I mean? And you know how much excitement there is over a new baby, planning, name selection, painting the nursery, doctor's appointments. Also, the baby is born healthy and loved, and it is a thrilling process. It's a waiting process. And then when the baby comes, it's so exciting. In many ways, we have been in the gestational period for Axis Church. We aren't trying to rush it. We're letting it build. We want it to be born healthy and loved. I want to thank each of you for your partnership in this effort. When Lisa and I stepped out of our comfort zone, we had no idea if anyone would be stepping out with us. Here we are a few months later, and we have so many already who have joined the team. I've heard so many of your stories about why you decided to help launch Access Church. They are inspiring stories. You know why I love them? I love them because God stirred something in you, and he is stirring something in me. 
And I believe he is already stirring something in this community. A new wind is about to blow. I've heard from many of you that you are here because you can see that this world is taking a nosedive morally and spiritually speaking. We can sense that, that we are losing our bearings. For me personally, I was serving in a very comfortable place, but I realized that God had so much more than he needed from me. I have no interest in just starting another church. I'm interested in being the church. I have no interest in being a gathering place for the already convinced. I'm interested in leading a dynamic, impacting group of people who love people far from God. I have no interest in sitting idly by while our country flushes right values and morals down the cultural toilet. I was in a good writing mode that day, I guess. I'm interested in joining a revolution. I have no interest in the mask or pretending. I'm interested in an authentic, grace-filled place. I have no interest in just providing ministry. I'm interested in joining the greatest movement that has ever swept over the face of the world. How many of you are with me? And friends, that was the beginning 10 years ago. I got a little bit tearful as I read that this week because I remember the feelings of excitement and also um, anxiety a little bit. I remember the confidence that I had in the Lord and, and I remember the insecurities that I had about myself. And there were two things that I knew for sure. God was calling us, and it would only succeed if he was in it. And secondly, I understood the value of the team, that this required other people, all of us being in this together. And with all of my heart, I wanted to see people who were far from God revolve their lives around Jesus. That was the mission. I wanted to see people in relationship with each other, real relationships. I wanted to see people change. I wanted to see the trajectory of a person's life change forever. I wanted to see hope for eternity happen, and I wanted to see family legacies change. And it is for all those reasons that we are now becoming a reproducing church. We've had the opportunity to partner with some church plants, but now we have a chance as a church to reproduce. This is the first opportunity we have to be in another location. And I'll be in both locations, but it, it'll stretch us. It'll stretch our, our team a bit. It'll stretch our worship team a bit. Getting out of the comfort zone is usually what causes us to grow. I want you to listen in light of all of that to our text in Ephesians 4 that we've been in for the last three weeks. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Today, I want to talk to you about one body. Now, first week, we talked about one mission or one calling that was received, and we reflected back on the great commission of Jesus, which was to go into all the world, make disciples, baptize, and teach them. Okay, the great commission. And then week two, Josh preach on um, this great calling that we have to love one another, to be unified. And I knew that he was going to preach on that, not just because it was on the schedule, but because after the service, the worship time in Middletown, I couldn't stay away. I drove back down here. I'm watching Josh on my phone in the car. It's not really legal. I don't know. But I was listening to him live preach on BoxCast as I'm driving down here and I'm listening to what is happening here in this place. And, and he talked about loving one another. In Matthew 22, we call this the great commandment. Love God and love people. And so we have the great commission, go. And we, then we have the great commandment, which tells us how to go. Go in love. And then as Dave Ferguson talks about, 
we have the great collaboration, which is John 17, which says that he prays that we are all one, that we're all in this together. And that's what I want to talk about today, the one body that we're a part of. You know, when it talks about the church, the Bible has a lot of different analogies. It uses the bride of Christ. That talks about our values. It talks about the family of Christ. That's about God's household and how we all have responsibilities and we're all included. He talks about the team being on mission. But I think he talks more about the body than anything else, that we are a body functioning together as one. And for just a few minutes, I want to walk you through what I think about the body, okay, and what I think the Scripture says about the body of Christ. Here's the first idea. I want you to see that you cannot properly or adequately understand your role in the body if you do not first recognize the head. I went to a seminar this week on how to make longer sermon points. There it is. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But I didn't know how else to say it. You cannot properly or adequately understand your role in the body if you don't first recognize the head. Ephesians 4.1, you're a prisoner of the Lord. Ephesians 4, 5, we are under one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Ephesians 4, 15, we become the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined together, held together by every supporting ligament, grows. Colossians 1, 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. And I just wonder. As you live your life, or as you come into a building like this today, do you even consider this? And I have to reflect on myself as well. Do you come in with an awareness that Christ is the head, that he is over all, that we are all under his feet, that he is the leader, and that we are coming in worship to simply acknowledge who he is? I fear that we are too often preoccupied with, I wonder what I will get out of this, or I need to find a way to get my children checked in, or I wonder how good the coffee will be today. Do we process in our minds that we are here to put ourselves under the authority of Christ, that we are here to recognize who he is? And I have to acknowledge about myself, if I'm honest, that sometimes I'm more focused on the details of what needs to be done rather than resting on the one who already knows what is going to be done. Sometimes I'm more focused on the pre-planning than I am just resting. Resting and abiding and knowing that Christ is the head. Ephesians 1 says it this way, Know that his incomparably great power for us who believe that is the same power as, that, as his mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. He is far above all rule or authority, power or dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Christ is the head of the church. We are his body. We are his bride. We are his people on mission. We are his family. And the body only functions as the head is in proper authority. We can only do our work as we recognize who he is. He calls the shots. He's the leader. We as a church are what's called a Christocracy, which means Jesus leads. We all have our role, but Jesus leads. He's the head. Same thing in your body. When your body needs to breathe, 
what part of the body tells it to breathe? The head. When your body needs to speak, the head formulates the word. When your body needs to take a step, your body, your head says, move that foot. So in order for the body to function together as a unit, we recognize that the head of the church is Christ. And that applies to us as a church, but it also applies to you personally. Every day, as you walk out of these walls and you go, God, how am I living my life? You have to think and acknowledge first that Christ is the head. That's why it says in Colossians that whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of Christ. In other words, everything you do when you're out on mission, make sure that you're focusing on Christ as the head. And do you do that? Or do you think more about what needs to be done rather than simply abiding in him? Uh, the first speaker of the conference this week pretty much wrecked me. It, it was Francis Chan, and after, after he spoke, Josh was like, how's it going? I texted him, and I was like, I don't know, but I think I quit ministry. And he writes back, I don't even know what that means, LOL. I was like, I don't either. But, I mean, Francis just has this way of, like, reaching inside of your soul, pulling it out, stomping on it, and shoving it back in. And you're like, I don't know what just happened here. I related well to Joby Martin. Joby Martin was the last speaker, and he's just a good old boy. He's just a good old southern boy from, like, Alabama, preaches at a church in Florida. He's got tats, you know, he's like a big dude, and he's just a southern guy. And I felt exactly what he was saying. He, his, he, he goes, you know, I was up here a little bit ago. I was way up in those, uh, those seats way up there. And he goes, I was just sitting there when Albert Tate was preaching. It was phenomenal. And he's, and he's just like, he's just going, oh, Albert is so good. I'm such a bad preacher. I'm such a bad preacher. And then he goes, and then there's Al, uh, Alan Hirsch. And Alan Hirsch is just this great author. He's so smart. And he's like, Alan Hirsch is so smart. I am so stupid. I mean, he's just so smart. And he's like, and then Francis Chan gets up to speak, and he's like, I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore. And I was like, I laughed out loud because I was like, that's me. I feel the same way. And he goes, that's why I'm up here for the last speaker. He's like, they put this good old boy up here. And so everybody out there as preachers goes, if that guy can do it, anybody can do it, you know. I, was, I laughed out loud at that too because I was like, yeah, thank goodness you're up there. But, man, I tell you, the reason it crushed me was because Francis talked about the supremacy of Christ. He's in all and over all and through all. And, and we have to begin to be in a place of acknowledgement, a realization that Christ is the head of the church. And when you realize that, when you realize he's your head, that he leads you, it helps you to refocus on what has to be done. The second thing is every part of the body has an important function and a mission. And I put that in there because I think a lot of times we talk about the body of Christ. We only talk about the function of the body within the walls of the church, but you also have a mission. Ephesians 4, 7 says, But to each one of you, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, as Christ gave it out. That is why it says, when he ascended, when his ascension, he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to the people. So he gave out gifts when he ascended. Gifts to you all, gifts to the disciples. And what does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. In other words, Christ came to earth for a while. He prepared us. He equipped us. And now he ascended back. And he's given us gifts to be able to use. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. You have a job, and so do I. 
We have a function that we do as part of the family. 1 Corinthians 12 says it this way, just as we are one body, though one, we have many parts, all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We are one body. We are one. We are together. It is the great collaboration. The Bible says we are a family together. We're a family unit. And I don't know about you, but in our family, there are functions that we all have to fulfill within our family. And so when we come together as a family, I say, well, look, you all need to do the dishes or what have you. Why? Because I'm the head of our little household family, and I get to say, hey, you get to do the dishes. That's your job today. Oh, Dad, I don't want to do it. No, you're going to do it. You can do it. Yeah, keep it up. You can do it. Make it happen. Make us proud. And uh, I'm going to do the windows and the sinks, or I'm going to do the mirrors, or whatever. Why? Because my children have a function, just like I do within our house, to fulfill the responsibilities of the home. Now, how many of you realize, though, that my children also have a mission, and I do not want my children to stay inside of my home? While they have a function in the house, they also have a mission to live outside of the house. The last thing I want them to do is when they're 40 years old, still be in my house washing the sinks and mirrors. Now, if they want to visit and do that, that's fine, but I'm not going to have them come and live there. Why? Because that's not their mission. I remember sitting at a dinner one night very distinctly. My parents and I were out to dinner one night, and this was when I was like graduating from high school. I think we're even celebrating that, and I think I said something to the effect of, I know you guys are going to miss me so much. I mean, how are you going to live your life without me in your presence? It was something like that. I bet you guys are just grieving the day that I walk out that door. Y'all are going to be lost without me. And you know what they said? Words that will forever ring in my ears. Are you kidding me? We can't wait for you to leave, they said. (laughs) We are so excited. We have plans. This is going to be crazy. And then my mom took the moment to be more like a teaching moment, kind of in true mom style. And she said, you know what, son? This is exactly what we want for you and for all of our children. We have raised you so that you are ready to go. That whole 18 years was preparation for me to be sent from the home. The last thing that they would want for me to do is live in the home until I'm 40 years old continuing to take and use off of them and fulfill only functions within that home. In other words, I have a mission to live out, and you have a function both in the house and outside of the house. See, in the church, a lot of times we think that the body is just what you do in here. And we'll say, well, you're a thumb, or you're a hand, or you're a voice, and if you're a voice, then you should be singing, and if you're a thumb, then you should be encouraging i don't know and if you're a hand you should be a greeter and what we say is it's all in-house but what i like to say is just that that's your function because you're part of this family and as part of this family we all have roles and responsibilities we all have things that we need to do as our function and there are needs here just like any family there are cleaning needs just like any home there are greeting needs when somebody comes to your door you should have a greeting team you come to my house i have a greeting team Two dogs that are absolutely going to greet you at the door when you come there, all right? But every house needs that greeting team. So we need people to greet people, all right? In every household, there are techies. This is just the way it is. Somebody in your house knows what those remotes do, okay? 
Same thing at church. Somebody in our house here, they understand how to run everything that happens here. Here's what I'm saying. There are all kinds of needs within the home. That's your function. But there are also responsibilities you have outside the home. That is your mission. Okay? And all of you have a mission. And so you should be praying, God, what is my mission? How am I leading in my workplace? How am I leading people to Christ? How am I loving my neighbors as myself? What is my mission outside? Because that's our job in the home is to prepare you for works of service out in the community. Does that make sense to everybody? Hello? Thank you. That's good. I still need affirmation, right? I'm still devastated from that conversation with my mom like years ago, you know. No, go, go, go. So just like a little affirmation would be good. Okay. Every single one of us has a God-sized mission. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12. There should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is the unity aspect of the body. It's that we're all together. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. Albert Tate used the analogy of hitting his thumb with a hammer, and when that happens, the entire body goes on high alert, right? The whole body functions together because when you hit your thumb with a hammer, the nerve sends a signal up to your brain that says something just happened here. Your brain then kicks into gear and sends blood to the thumb area because it starts to throb and your blood goes, we need to heal this thing quickly. And all the white blood cells start to react and react and react and the pain is throbbing. Your legs start to get involved because you are feeling the pain in your thumb. For some of you, your mouth gets involved and you should watch that. Really, you should. It's not not good. But the whole body is functioning together because when one part hurts, we all hurt. But likewise, when one thing is good, we all celebrate. Take me out to a good steak dinner. Lay that steak before me. My nose starts to get involved very early in the process. My eyes start to see what my body wants. I'm like, wow, I can't wait to have that steak. My salivary glands start to work overtime because that steak is sitting in front of me. My hands begin to work as I start to cut that delicious steak. How many of you are hungry, amen? I start to cut that delicious steak. I take a bite. My body reacts. I go, wow, this is awesome. It actually, I say it out loud. This is incredible. This is the most, mm, mm, mm. this is delicious. And every part of the body starts to function in a way that says, let's celebrate with the mouth. There's something good happening here. And here's what I'm saying. As as a church, we should celebrate with those who are celebrating, even when we're hurting. And we we should suffer with those who are suffering, even when we have good things in our life, because we are a body. We're together. We're together. And the challenge is that we should play our part. You should play both your function, your role within the body. If you're just sitting, you're like that 40-year-old child who's still at home, who's taking from the family but not serving the family. So you should find your function within the house. What is your function? How can I serve more? But you should also find your mission outside of the house. For some of you, that might be adopting a child or fostering a child. It might be teaching in the school system or it might be It might be leading some ministry outside of the walls. It might be simply working in your own work environment and looking for every opportunity to love people to God. Whatever it is, you have a mission, and it's our job to prepare you for that mission. And then thirdly, when the body functions together, good things happen. Verse 12 of chapter 4, verse 13 says, 
so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature. We attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We will no longer then be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'm going to break that down, but if the body of Christ is built up, that means that one of the results of us functioning together is that the body is going to grow, both numerically and spiritually. The body is going to grow. More people will be included in the family. More people will find both their function and their mission. Until we all reach unity in the faith, that's the idea that we're in this together, that we're working together. We're working not against each other, but to the same goals. And in the knowledge of the Son, we will become mature. We will attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the goal, that you and I would be more like Christ. That we would attain to that level of the fullness of Christ. And what was Christ? He was loving. It's the definition of love. And so we would be more loving. He was sacrificial. He gave up his very life so that we would become more sacrificial. He demonstrated grace on the cross so that we would be more grace-filled. So that you become more and more like Christ. And then... We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and the deceitfulness of scheming. <clears throat> infants in Christ have a way of being blown by every teaching that's out there. And we as a church determined a long time ago that we would be a Bible teaching church. You, we don't generally have like uh, a teaching series like six lessons on how to be successful. There's books for that. Six ways, five ways to be a better employee. Well, there's books for that. No, we want to teach the scripture, and out of that, you're going to learn principles like, let's focus on Christ as the head. That's going to make me a better employee because I'm going to work every day as if I'm serving Christ, not men. And I don't have to give you six principles on how to be a better employee because if you really focus on Christ as the head, it makes you a better employee. Does this make sense? So that's what happens. So we try to teach the scripture, just let it come alive in us. And then in that case, you are grounded. And as the world goes further and further away from truth, you're grounded in the truth. Here's another quote from that talk that I gave to the launch team 10 years ago. I said, you know that the church in America is largely failing. 85% of churches are plateaued or dying. In Warren County, about 17% of the population is active in a church. That's exactly what the national average is. I read a report that a few months ago that if the trend continues, they project that number to be 10.5% by 2050. That means that our kids and our grandkids will grow up in a vastly different world. The moral co compromises that we have already seen in our generation will continue. God will become less of a focus. Humanism will rule the day. Right and wrong will become more gray rather than black and white. I can't just sit idly by and let that happen. While the church sits back and waits for someone else to turn the tide, I want to stand and say, enough is enough. I don't want my grandkids to look at me and say, what did you do? Why didn't you do anything? I want to say to you all today, 
not on our watch. Not on our watch. With those words, we started Axis Church 10 years ago. And that is still the heartbeat of who we are. That we would grow, that we would reproduce, and that we would multiply so that Christ will be exalted. And in our small way, we can help turn the tide of our culture. So that we would become mature in every way, in every respect. The mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Our mission is the great commission to go. Our, our way is to follow the great commandment in love. And we do it together, that great collaboration. Working together till the whole world knows. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the reminder, the acknowledgement that you are overall, in all, that you lead. And God, I pray today that each of us would, we would reflect on our function. God, under your headship, under your lordship, in light of what you've done for us, I want to be part of this family. I want to contribute. I want to give. I want to serve. I want to love. I want to greet. I want to care for children. I, I have a function here, God. But then, God, I also want to live my life in this world on mission. As I am going, as I am walking in the world, I want to love people. I want to share Christ with people. I want to help people understand who you are. God, I, I pray for that. I pray that as we, as we uh, open a Middletown campus, that we would all say, God, how can I contribute? There are going to be some holes here in Mason. How can we fill those holes? How can we function as a family here? In Middletown, God, there will be additional roles and responsibilities. How can we play our role? How can we function here? How can we teach the people in Middletown how we do what we do here in Mason? Because there are people in Mason who need Christ. People in Landon who need Christ. There are people in Lebanon who need Christ. There are people in Middletown who need Christ. In Monroe, Franklin. Help us, God, in our generation to say we did our part, to say not on our watch, not on our watch. We will do all that we can to live out the mission of Christ so that more people will know and have the hope of Christ, the hope of the world. God, let that mission burn in our hearts today. Help us, God, to know and to understand what role you are calling us to. We ask this in the name of Jesus as we praise you today. Amen. We're going to worship together, and as we do, this is really a time of kind of personal commitment. First of all, you need to know if you are not in Christ, you've never joined the team, you've never, you don't have salvation, you don't have God's grace, you can receive that today. We are always ready to pray with you. We're ready to have you say, I believe that Christ is my Lord, and I want to follow him. We are always ready every day to say, we want to baptize you into Christ, have all that old stuff, that past washed away, be renewed. You can do that by just simply coming to us and saying, I want to make that decision. doesn't have to be with a lot of fanfare. We're ready. And then some of the rest of you just need to say, I've made that decision, but I'm sitting and I need to serve. I'm not even playing my function much less my mission. Some of you need to step up and go, I need to play my function within the family. I want to be a contributor to this because I believe in the mission. And then some of the rest of you are serving in-house. You need to think about outside of these walls. 
How am I living? I'm not adding to my schedule. I'm just living every day in a way that says, how can I serve Christ in my everyday conversations? How can I be a leader to people? How can I love people? So this is a time of commitment for all of us as we worship to think about those things, but mostly to acknowledge that Christ, Christ is the leader. He's there. So let's stand together and let's acknowledge.